you're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, James David Miller, a guest preacher at our church, filled in for me while I was out of town, and I want you to turn up your ears and tune in. Listen as he shares from the Word of God this morning on Words of Encouragement. Good morning. How are y'all? So, uh, i give a little introduction to myself. My name is James David Miller. Um, I'm 19 years old. I attend Mississippi College. I just got done with my freshman year this past semester. Um, upcoming soon, in less, probably about a month, I'll be back there starting my sophomore. Uh, so, I'm... I've been saved since the age of 12, committed to ministry at the age of 14. I've been preaching since 15. Um, A lot of you, uh, some of you, were members at Temple Baptist Church, um, and my dad was a pastor of that church for a good little bit. Um, I wasn't around when that happened. (laughs) Um, I was a little blessing, that's what we like to call it, um, to the family. I'm the only boy, and so uh, at MC, um, I'm studying biblical studies. Uh, I intend to go there, get my master's, and get my doctorate. That's my intended plan right now, but you know how plans are with God. Um, also there, I'm on track and field scholarship there. Uh, I throw the shot put in the hammer. Um, when I explain hammer to people, they think of like an actual physical hammer. It's just a ball with a wire attached to it, and you swing around a couple times, and you throw it. That's about all you do. Um, but yes, that's what I that's what I do at MC. Um, again, thank you so much for allowing me to come here and preach today. Uh, anytime I get the chance to preach, I'm going to take it. And today, I've kind of man, I'm notorious for doing this. Right before you know, uh, I had a lot of different sermon ideas for today. And a lot of times, what happens, I'll have one, scrap it, have one, scrap it, have one, scrap it, and I keep doing that. And this past week, I finally chose one. I was like, okay, I'm going to stick with this one. Um, and it's about anxiety, worrying, problems. How do we deal with it? And, you know, anxiety currently right now is at an all-time high. A lot of factors are driving that. First thing, COVID. After COVID, after the lockdown happened, anxiety was so high. People were so worried about what was going to happen. What's going to be the difference? Like, things are never going to be the same now. And that's something that I'm having to wrap my brain around where it's like, you know, I have a niece. Uh, my oldest sister has a baby, and she will never know the world like I knew it before COVID. You know, it didn't really, I mean, it's kind of gotten back to normal. But even now, there's, you know, there's a lot of different things now that's happened that we just won't ever go back to because of it. And... Because of that, people were locked in their houses for so long. People were, you know, had family members who died, and they, they themselves maybe contracted to the disease, and it was worrying for them. And a lot of people had health complications. Like my parents were two driver risking for health, you know. So I was worried that I was going to pass it to them. And, you know, so it's just this constant state of anxiety. And anxiety right now is higher now in people my age and college-age students than it ever has been. A statistic that the, uh, according to psychology today, that they got from the F, uh, FTC, said the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the a- average psychiatry patient in the early 1950s. So these people are so riddled with anxiety 
that they, they can't even function. I mean, that, you know, if I, could, if I had to pick a couple words to describe our culture nowadays, anxious is one of them. Just full of worry. So today, uh, my passage would be in chapter, Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. I'll let you, I'll let you flip there. And in my studies, you know, I always discover that the best person to go to about problems, you try to go to Jesus. Not saying that all the Bible is less important or more important, but sometimes what Jesus says has some weight to him because he's 100% man, 100% God, and he's lived our life. So obviously he's got to know the answers to some questions. So I'll start in verse 25 and I'll go through about 34. <clears throat> For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to you, you will eat or what you will drink, nor of your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they reap, nor do they gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more worthy than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not tore, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, they not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, and is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry when, when, when they say, what will you eat? What will you drink? What will you wear for clothing? For the Gentile, Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow have enough care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I would like to tell a story. Um, sorry, I like, to, uh, I like to walk around a good bit. So Is this on? Wow, that's hot. But um, again... I like to walk around a lot. I'm a very active person. A lot of times you could say my personality is like a bull in a china shop. I just spearhead through life. That's kind of what I do. But a story I'd like to tell you today is about two painters. And so these two painters are both very gifted at their craft. And so they've been getting, so at this art festival that soon is to come up, they are both given the objective to paint their depiction of peace to paint their depiction of peace. So they get told this, and, you know, they're like, what in the world are we supposed to do with this? So they, you know, they go back to their studios, and they start working. And in six months, they have six months to paint this painting, which is not a really long time to paint such a detailed painting they want to paint. So they sit there, and they work on it. They scrap idea after idea. They keep working on it. They're toiling, and they're just trying to figure out what in the world am I supposed to paint? And so they're really just struggling and struggling. But then both painters finally have what they want. They finally have exactly what they feel like their depiction of peace is. So the day of the art festival comes. And so you have one painter standing next to his painting right here. And on the other side, you have the other painter with his painting standing right there. So the painter on this side shows his painting first. You know, pulls the drape off of it and shows this beautiful, beautiful landscape 
with this beautiful mountain with the crystal clear lake just nestled right inside of it. Crystal clear. You can see straight through the bottom, not a ripple in the water. And all the crowd is just captivated in what they're seeing. They're like, wow, that's so beautiful. It's so peaceful. It's so peaceful. So they show, and you know, everybody thinks this guy's got it on lockdown, that he's about to win this. Then if you come over here to this painter, he reveals his painting. And he shows this great, powerful, crushing waterfall, destroying rocks, splitting them in half, destroying wood, just constantly just destroying water, splashing everywhere, everything's crashing. And everyone in the crowd's like, what in the world? Did this dude not know what he's painting? Like, what's going on? But if you look closer, there's a rock. And where that rock is, that water splits so that under that rock it can't get wet. And there's a little olive branch that forks out. And there's a little bird sleeping soundly. And the painter says, peace is calmness in the midst of the storm. That's what peace is. And you know, when my daddy preaches, he says there's three type of people in this life. People going into a storm, people who just got out of a storm, and people who are in the storm. These are people getting out of, in the storm, or about to go into it. Those are three types of people. And if you want a sermon title for today, the sermon title is this, Birds Do Bird Things. Birds Do Bird Things. Very simple, and I'll explain it as I go on. And so I have three points today. I'm not going to keep you long. But I'm going to try, through the Word and through what the Lord is going to speak through me today, give you an antidote for that anxiety problem. Because any age can feel anxiety, from the little kid who's this tall to the 99-year-old who's about to go into the ground. They all can feel anxiety. So first, let's look at the thing that, first thing, I like to look at context. I'm a, you know, as a biblical studies major, I had to write a 14-page paper, and I had to look at all the context behind it. And I love that stuff. So I need to look at the context behind what's going on. So first thing, let's just look at the immediate context of what's happening. So in, in the verse, verses before it, in chapter 6, um, talks about, you know, fasting the true treasure, you know, keeping your treasures in heaven and on earth. We live in a very materialistic society, right? I mean, and rightfully so, that was, that's America. We live in, I'm like, look, I'm not trying to bash America. I love America just as much. We've helped touch so many people. We've helped spread the gospel so well, but we need to look at our problems. And some of our problems is we're too materialistic. We're too materialistic. We, we worry so much about the clothes I have on my back, the food I'm going to eat, the water that I'm going to have. We're so consumed with it. I see more parents teaching their kids about financial stability than spiritual stability. They're more concerned that their kid becomes, you know, a doctor or someone or a lawyer or a, someone who's high in finance. They're more worried about that than their own child's relationship with God. First thing is we've got to shift our focus completely away from materialistic and focus it on God. We have to do that. If we keep chasing the things of this world, it will always, we will always end up empty-handed. 
Look, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I don't know a lot. I'll be the first one to sit here and I'll tell you that. I'm not any smarter than you. I'm not any better than you. I'm not anything like that. But I know facts when facts are presented to me. And this is a fact. So with all this, let's talk about the first point. We cannot stop worrying on our own. We cannot stop worrying on our own. I'm telling you right now, you by yourself cannot fix this problem. Let's get that right right now. You know, uh, at my church, we had a VBS a couple months ago. Or not a couple months, a month ago. Man, time flies by. Uh, and we uh, had the ABCs of faith, you know. Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and a lot of times C is, but the C is sometimes, us all choose, and I like that. We have to do that every day as Christians. Even though we are already saved, and sin does not affect us the same, it says in Romans chapter 3, we do no longer live by the law of sin and death. We're different now. As people who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we, sin doesn't affect us the same, but it does not mean we need to repent. We don't mean we don't need to repent. I'm telling you right now that we have to realize there's a problem. A lot of us in here today, we have so much anxiety that we don't even think we have anxiety. That we just kind of bury it down deep in us and it's still there. And every now and then it pops up and it explodes and everyone around us gets hurt and we get hurt. Then we stuff it back inside of us. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. We've got to realize there's a problem. We've got to realize we can't fix the problem. See, and you know, anything, and you know, it talks about in verse 6, you know, anything of moth or rust can destroy, all these things will perish. See, the thing is, we try to fix problems on our own as people. We try to find a way to manage the problem, with, whether it could be anything, whether it be a person, medication, or anything. Those things can help, but those things will not fix. We want fixing. That's, see, that's the whole reason we come in here today, because we got problems. We all got problems, and we want them to be fixed. And all of us in here, the only way we know how to fix something is by coming to the Lord, Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can fix these problems. And today, we try to find so many other things than Christ to fix our problems. Whether that be, and it could be anything. It could be your pastor. It could be your spouse. It could be your job. Because a lot of us think that when we get a certain amount of money, we won't have to worry about it. We all have that money number in our head, do we not? That if I had this much money, I wouldn't worry about anything. That ain't the truth. I've seen so many countless interviews of countless people who are very well off. There was a guy who's a uh, actor on a TV show I watched, and you know, he said, you know, as a little kid, if I looked at myself as a 16-year-old now, like he's about 40 years old, if he looks at, man, I had the life. I got a pretty girlfriend. I have a lot of money. I have, a lo I have nice clothes. I have a nice place to live. I have it all. So why am I sitting in my room contemplating into my own life? Why am I sitting here so worried about my problems? Why am I sitting here so just riddled with anxiety? And he realized that he couldn't do it on his own. And, and I'm repeating this over and over again because we have to, I'm going to have to try to hammer it in some of our heads, and I'm also hammering it into my head as I speak. Guys, we've got to stop focusing on the things that aren't going to fix the problem. Most of the time, they're the things causing the problem. 
Um, this is a little tangent I'm going to chase. But technology, it's a great thing, but it also hurts a lot of people. And um, there's, a, there's a documentary I would like all of y'all to watch if you ever can. It's called The Social Dilemma. Um, I love it. It's good. It talks about how social media, how two different types of business in this world treat people as product. It is drug dealing and social media advertising. And if you look at it, the, the rate of anxiety and the rate of technology use has done this. It's right there with each other. They're exclusive. They don't, again, I'm not saying that technology is all bad. I'm not saying that that's the only root of our problem. But it ain't helping. <laughs> what I'm saying that is, guys, we got to put down our phone, and, lie, and maybe some of us in here don't struggle with that. But, you know, some of us got to put down our phone and just disconnect from the world for a little bit and just be with God. And this idea of worrying, and see, the thing is, sometimes what happens, we try to stop a worrying and just keep worrying. It's just a cycle. It's never in this cycle that, oh, well, I got this, all this problem. Well, I can fix this problem. Well, no, I couldn't fix that problem. So now we're sitting here, and we're all caught up in what's going on, and we're all just sitting here. What in the world's going on? We can't fix anything on our own. That's the point. My second point is, Jesus understands what you're going through. Jesus understands it. Jesus, now, I don't understand how it makes sense, and I don't have to because I'm fully, I'm completely a human being. But it says in verse, uh, let me see here, also it says in verse 34, it says this. It says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm kind of skipping around. Jesus understands our problems. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, says, Jesus knows our struggles, and he suffers the same as we did. He had all the same problems we did. He, his feet hurt when he stood up for a long time. When he was walking around, he felt pain. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he felt anxiety. Go look at him. He was so anxious, and it's scientifically proven that you can be so worried and so filled with anxiety, the capillaries in your head bust, and that's how he starts sweating blood. He is that filled with anxiety. He understands our problems. If not anything, we don't understand his problems. He fully understands what we're going through. That's why he said that in verse 34. I know tomorrow, I'm not saying this life is easy. Look, guys, this life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. That's what my football coach used to tell me after a loss. It ain't all, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. But you got a choice. You got a choice. And, and the thing is that Jesus understands our problems, and he understands the difficulty. He says in Luke, and that's, that guarding a semi, you don't believe it, it says in Luke, Chapter 22, verse 44. Jesus lived through all of this. Jesus had all of these problems. So how did Jesus handle it? And in this sermon that Jesus is talking about, Sermon on the Mount, he gives us a solution to this. And if you write notes, and if you don't write notes, I would love for you to write this down. I'm about to give you a math problem. Okay? If you're a teacher in here, you'll love that. If you're not a teacher in here, you'll probably hate it. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a math problem. God's creation, God's creation, plus God's purpose for that creation, so God's purpose equals true peace. God's creation plus God's purpose 
equals true peace. God's creation plus God's purpose equals true peace. Now, James David, how did you come up with that? Well, let's look at the verses. And why do you think I gave a story about birds? And why do you think I call it birds do bird things? God takes care of the birds in the sky, right? And we're more valuable than they. We know that. Genesis, when he created us, he said we are good. Everything created was good, but we, we, were, his, we were his masterpiece. We were his cherry on the top. We were his whole thing. We're better than all that, right? So, but if they look at the birds in the sky, what are the birds doing? Well, if it's a songbird, it, it's singing a song. If it's a woodpecker, it's pecking wood. If it's a pelican, it's going down there and picking up, uh, picking up fish. If it, you know, if it's a hummingbird, it sits there and it gets pollen from those plants. And so it's all these birds are doing exactly what they're being told to do. God gave them a mandate of creation. That, that's what He gave us. He gave us this. He gave the birds that idea that this is your job, you go do that job. And that's what all of creation does. All creation has a certain job that God gives it, and it does its job. So, folks, are we not God's creation? Not only are we God's creation, we're created in the image of him, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. So, what's our purpose? What's our purpose? Well, glad you asked what your purpose was because in verse 33 it says this but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you seek first his kingdom we must seek the will of the father we must seek the will of god see a lot of times i hear in college you hear What's God's will for my life? Wrong question. What's God's will, and how can I conform my life to it? That's the question we have to be asking. Let's quit asking what God wants from us, and what, does, what, do, what can we do for God? You see what I'm saying? We've got to remove us from the conversation. We've got to remove that I, that me, that selfishness that we had all the way in the Garden of Eden, all the way up until Jesus was crucified, and all the way to now. That selfishness that we all have. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to get rid of it if we want this true peace. And I'm not saying that you can't attain true peace another way, but I can say you can achieve it this way. Look, and all of our purposes in our lives are going to be different, right? I've been called to preach. That does not mean I'm any greater or any, any less. doesn't mean anything like that. I've been given a job. I believe from the Lord, and I intend to do it. A lot of it in here. Maybe the purpose that we're given could be whatever you work out in your job, you're a light there. We're all called to ministry. Even though that I was called to a certain type of ministry, we're all called to ministry. In your workplace, in your family. That's something so interesting. People rarely share the gospel with their family, even if those people are unsaved. And it's so interesting to me. Because, like, you would think that those people in your family, you want them to be saved the most, wouldn't you? We all have a purpose that God has given for our life. And it's different, but it's all the same the fact that it seeks his kingdom. It seeks his will. It seeks his plan, not our plan. See, a lot of times what happens, we have a plan, and we ask, hey, God, how can you put this in your will? 
Instead of just saying, yes, Lord, let's do it. Instead of sometimes, God, all God wants us to hear, all he wants to hear from us is just, yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, use me as a vessel. Please, God, use me. That's all he wants. He doesn't want this long, scripted out, you know, apology. He doesn't want that. What he wants is this. He says he wants you to admit you're a sinner, admit that you're wrong, admit that you need someone, and accept Jesus as not just Savior of your life, but Lord of your life. That's what he wants. And when we do that, we can get somewhere. And also says to seek his righteousness. You know, um, righteousness is something that I always find reassuring. One of God's core characteristics is his righteousness. God is right. All the time, God is right. We live in a very changing world, but he's a very unchanging God. He loves us so much. Let me tell you something. As people leave your life, he ain't going to leave your life. And so I've given you the math problem. I've given you the, you know, the prescription that how are we going to handle it. Well, today when I talk about how prayer is a core part of my sermon, it's my application step. Prayer. I'm not saying if we pray all the time, all of our worries are going to go away. not saying that. But let's look at Jesus. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he started praying, did he not? Before he, any type of major event that happened in Jesus' life, he started praying before it happened. So it's right here, before the baptism of Luke, before his baptism in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 30. 22 before Peter called him the Christ in Luke chapter 9 verse 18 after the transfiguration in Luke chapter 9 verse 28 through 29 Luke chapter 11 verses 1 before teaching disciples about the Lord's prayer before raising Lazarus from the dead John 11 chapter 41 through 42 and I could give you probably 10,000 more Jesus prayed now how does that make sense isn't isn't he all one same thing the whole trinity I don't know he obviously communicated with his father. And if Jesus prays, we need to pray. I, look, I always heard this saying, and I love it. Never have a prayer longer than 20 minutes, and never go 20 minutes without praying. Guys, the way that we're going to face this life is by praying to God. The way we're going to get through this. Let me tell you something. When I walk into the cafeteria at my college, sometimes I'm like, God, what am I eating today? training my brain so when I hit big situations I immediately go to the father I always think about that when Peter when he was walking on water then he stopped and he started sinking you know Peter was a fisherman he could swim he didn't start swimming immediately he immediately reached out for the hand of God a lot of times in our life we try to damage control before God shows up we try damage control like oh I can fix this real quick I can fix this real quick no go immediately to him immediately that's what he wants. And all this can't be done unless you're saved. All this cannot be done unless you're saved. You can pray to Jesus if you're unsaved. I'm not saying an unsaved person can't pray to Jesus. They, I, that's the way they accept it, is it not? But the way to achieve this 
you got, it's like a, I don't like to say it's a step program because the relationship with God isn't a step program. But you got to do some things first. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Choose Jesus. And pray to God. I'm not saying this is the thing that's going to fix your life. If you do this, I'm not saying you're going to have a hunky-dory lifestyle. I'm not Joel Osteen. I'm not saying that you're going to be given all these possessions and all that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you will have peace. When the storms of life come, and everything seems like it's falling down around you, you'll have peace. The same God that created everything, the same God that sent a flood to destroy most of the earth, the same God that split the Red Sea, the same God that gave Samson the power to destroy that temple, the same God that gave Gideon the power to do all his things, the same God that David gave and helped David spread his kingdom, the same God that helped all the different prophets and all the different judges to help do their thing, the same God that sent his son on the cross to die for your sins is giving you a way to handle your peace, to handle your problems. Take it. You know, sometimes what you got to do before you take it, you got to swallow that pride. you got to swallow that selfishness. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day to come in here and learn more about you and talk more about you and just overall learn more about you. Thank you so much for that. Again, God, as we go out through this week, let us realize the importance of having a relationship with you. Not just a relationship, but a relationship filled with prayer. Let us realize that, God. And God, today, you know, some of us are probably in here who are saved, and there's probably some people who aren't. If that's the case, God, the only way if they have that problem in their life, the anxiety in their life, the only way they can fix that problem is by coming to you. And they can manage it by themselves, but it will always come back. With you, that calmness in the midst of the storm, we can have. That's your name we pray. Amen. We hope that you, didn't, you have enjoyed this time of encouragement on words of encouragement. In fact, if you have some questions, you can always go to fbcwinsboro.com. Uh, that's uh, where we are uh, on the Internet. Of course, we're physically located at 502 Highland Street right here in Winsboro, Louisiana. So if you're ever in Louisiana or you're passing through, please stop by and see us. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and it's been a great privilege to have you along here on this podcast. Uh, We hope that you'll continue to listen to Words of Encouragement, uh, and we will continue to bring it to you. Or as I would grammatically correctly say, bring these words of encouragement to you. Uh, I hope that your day is great and that you'll tune in again to Words of Encouragement the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana.